The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the rainy Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Tomorrow it might be the icy Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington. Uh, We have some nasty weather coming through this part of the country. Uh, So everybody... Stay safe. I think for the game tonight, if you're coming to Rupp Arena, it'll just be rain. Everything looks like the uh, ice will start to hit tomorrow morning and, unfortunately, last throughout the day. Uh, The Wildcats host Vandy tonight, and uh, we'll talk Kentucky basketball and more today with our guests, Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws and Alan Cutler, a retired uh, sportscaster from LAX 18, and Alan for many years also on the weekends, would host the Bengals radio network pre-game, post-game, and so was around the Bengals for more than a decade. So we'll not only talk about the Cats, but also a little about the Bengals, the other kind of Cats, um, with Alan. So that's our guest lineup. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington, and we will start with game day for the Cats. Vandy is 11-9. and nine. Coming off an impressive win over Georgia, 85-77. But the thing is for Vandy, in the last seven games, they have two wins over Georgia and five losses. They scored 85 against Georgia, but scored under 70 in four of the previous five. So they can clearly beat Georgia, but they have been struggling otherwise. Kentucky won 78-66 on January 11th in Nashville. If you remember, that was the game where Kentucky didn't score in the final six and a half minutes and still won by 12. They were up close to 30 at one point. Oscar Shibway had a big night. It was 30 and 10. I suspect they will defend him differently. Uh, they didn't really direct a lot of extra attention at Oscar, so I would suspect he'll uh, see a much different plan for round two. That was the second game that Kentucky was playing without Severe Wheeler, so... Ty Ty Washington was running the point, and uh, obviously Wheeler back and playing really well right now for Kentucky. Cats dominated the rebounding, uh, led by Oscars 13, to the tune of 42-26 in the game in Nashville. So Kentucky looking to uh, build on its performance against Kansas on Saturday night, or certainly at least not to backslide, and then to uh, keep rolling into a tough road trip to Alabama on Saturday. Speaking of the Crimson Tide, they lost at number one Auburn last night, 100-81. to It was a game that Auburn got a big lead late in the first half. Then Alabama got a couple of buckets late and in the second half made a run and I believe got all the way back to Tide. It was bouncing back and forth between that game and Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and Louisville. But I think Alabama got all the way back to being Tide and then Auburn ran back out again and ends up winning by 19. So Alabama gets swept by Auburn in the series, and now the Tide will host Kentucky on Saturday. Elsewhere in the league, Tennessee beat Texas A&M 90-80. Bad loss for LSU. Ole Miss beat them in Baton Rouge 76-73. 
And then uh, Mississippi State defeated South Carolina 78-64. to A couple of matchups involving ranked teams. Kansas bounces back to beat Iowa State on the road 70-61. to So you'd like to see that because that just enhances the value of Kentucky's win in Lawrence. And then Texas Tech beat Texas in Chris Beard's return to Lubbock 77-64. to a couple of different media reports. Uh, Kyle Tucker uh, had this, uh, as well as uh, Matt Jones, that UK O-line coach Eric Wofford left last week to interview for the same job at Alabama, which he ultimately took, and never returned to Lexington to say goodbye to his players, to, to meet with his players. Uh, also reportedly was recruiting an O-line prospect for Kentucky and then began recruiting the same player for Alabama. So if... That's true. He should be ashamed of himself. Um, but now Mark Stoops has got to find himself a new offensive line coach after just one season. National Signing Day is today. Kentucky got most of its work done in December, but today at two, Noah Matthews, a six foot six inch, two hundred fifty pound D lineman out of Delaware, is set to make his commitment, and it's supposed to be either Kentucky or Illinois. I think the feeling is is good for Kentucky. Uh, This young man committed to Weber State early and then uh, backed out, and now it's Kentucky and Illinois. And, you know, if you first hear Weber State, you're thinking, Weber State, always remember Josh Allen. He had one other offer from Monmouth, and he became the best defensive player in the country. So uh, Noah Matthews could be added to Kentucky signing class today in the defensive line. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Valentine's Day is coming up. I don't know what their uh, list looks like, but if there's space available, I would urge you to act quickly and get to Open Table or Giuseppe's Lexington and make your reservation for Valentine's Day. It's a wonderful place to go for special occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, whatever it might be, because you get fantastic food and live jazz music to accompany your meal. It is a true dining experience at Giuseppe's. We will be right back with Chris Fisher. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Al Cutler in the second half of the show. Vandy radio voice Kevin Ingram coming up here shortly. But right now we welcome in Chris Fisher from catspaws.com to uh, start with a little Kentucky basketball. Chris, and um, it's a game obviously Kentucky's expected to uh, handle tonight against Vanderbilt. So let's go back first to the win on Saturday and uh, get your take on uh, what impressed you slash surprised you about what Kentucky did in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, both, uh, that was as dominant of a road victory by Kentucky against a quality opponent that I can remember in quite some time. I know it was their, you know, biggest top five road win in, in program history. So that's saying a lot right there, but I've said for a long time, I think Kansas has the best home court advantage in college basketball and it's in part because of uh, the fans and the environment, obviously, but you know the 
Kansas shot 47 free throws the last time Kentucky went there in, in 2016. So I'm not saying they get every call, but historically they've gotten most of them. But I think that was that was their own, only their 16th loss under Bill Self over the last 19 seasons going back to, to 2003. And so not only to win in that building, but to win going away and, and to beat them pillar to post like they did was, uh, was extremely impressive. And uh, Kentucky uh, is now in a position where they've got a shot, maybe at playing into a one seed. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they probably could take one loss and still have a shot at that. I don't know if they could take any more than that. But you know, it is in this season. Uh, I think other teams will take losses as well, except for maybe Auburn and Gonzaga. I'm not sure how many they'll lose. Yeah, I would agree with that. Kentucky still has a couple, you know, couple tough games left on the schedule on the road at Tennessee and at Alabama on Saturday, who I'm sure coming off that loss to, to Auburn last night will be hungry for a win. But, um, you know, this Kentucky team, you can safely say, is playing as well as any in the country right now. And I think it's it's been several years since we could say Kentucky is a legitimate title contender this late into the season. And you can go back to, you know, the COVID year and, I think that team put together an eight-game win streak. Uh, I think it was in January or, or February, and uh, you know a lot of people felt good about that team's chances going into the NCAA tournament. They had the big comeback win in the regular season finale at Florida, but that team had its warts also. I think they blew an 18-point lead uh, to Tennessee the game before at home, and so um, it's been a while since we've seen a Kentucky team this good uh, this late in the season. I've always thought this team reminded me a lot of Cal's 2017 team. I think it's mainly because of the offensive firepower. If you go back and look at that team, they lost early to UCLA. They lost at Louisville after the big win against Carolina. They lost at Tennessee. I think they uh, let a big lead slip away in that. Uh, they uh, lost at home to Kansas. Two games later, lost at Florida. So they had a stretch where they lost three out of four in late January, early February, right around this time. And I know people were really down on, on that team, but they got it rolling, didn't lose again until the, the Carolina game in the Elite Eight. Um, but that was a, a team that, uh, because of some of those uh, early uh, hits that uh, could, it took fans a little while to, to warm up to until late in the season, uh, since that they're certain, you know, after Saturday, they've certainly warmed up to this group. But it, it took a little while because two things they, um, you know, the loss at Notre Dame which doesn't look as bad with how Notre Dame has played as it did at the time, maybe. But also the fact that the, the schedule was uh, soft in the non-conference and uh, they didn't do anything to, to turn anybody's head. So um, it really took this Kansas uh, win to kind of be a, a breakthrough, I think, maybe for Kentucky fans to a certain extent. And also maybe national media when you see that they jump from 12 to 5 after that one win. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, you know, objective uh, rankings, you know, you look at the, the AP poll, the coaches poll, getting their respect there, you know, jumping up to number five in the AP, number seven in the coaches. But you also look at some of the predictive polls. You look at Ken Palm, which has been as good of a predictor as any, um, you know, of the, the computer rankings, Kentucky up to number two in Ken Palm, three in adjusted offensive efficiency in the top 20 in adjusted def- uh, defensive efficiency, and uh, that 
has to get you really, really excited as a, as a Kentucky fan. And I think when you look at, you know, this team offensively, they're explosive. I think they've scored 80 plus points in 13 of their 21 games this season, which is a, you know, a, com- the, a complete 180 from, uh, the team last season, but I still think this team has a very high ceiling defensively. Historically, John Calipari's teams have gotten better and better defensively as the season has gone along. And I would think with uh, older players, veteran guys who have been around uh, the block a couple times in college basketball, I would think uh, this team still has a lot of potential left on the defensive end, particularly if uh, Kentucky can, you know, continue to get quality minutes from a guy like Jacob Toppin, perhaps, uh, you know, Damian Collins still has a breakthrough at some point. I think he would take their defense to yet another level. But, you know, much in the same way that Tyler Hero uh, improved as a defender individually as the season went along, I think we've seen that from Kellen Grady as well. He was matched up with Ochai Abaji, uh for stretches during Saturday's game and, and, and did a really good job. And so everybody looks at him kind of as a, a shooter, but we all know that, you know, scoring points isn't going to be enough for John Calipari. You have to rebound, defend, and, and do the other things, and, and the guys are, are doing that very, very well as a unit. At Chris Fisher 24-7 on Twitter and catspaws.com is where you can read his content and the rest of the Catspaws team. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks. Next up, Kevin Ingram will join us from the Vandy Radio Network. Quick scouting report on the uh, Commodores and then Alan Cutler in the second half of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. The Vanderbilt Commodores roll into Rupp Arena tonight. Kevin Ingram is the radio play-by-play voice for Vandy. Uh, I was looking at uh, the Doors' latest games. They handled Georgia twice, but I feel like the, other than the 85-point game on Saturday, they have been struggling to get points on the board. Uh, what's happening with the Commodores right now, Kevin? <laughs> Well, Tom, I, yeah, I always like to bump music when I come on here. He had Zeppelin last time with Doobie Brothers today, so that, that's right up my alley. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, just it simply comes down to hitting three pointers. Uh, Vanderbilt hit 12 out of 23 from three against Georgia back on Saturday, and you know, in, in the games where the Commodores have lost, or uh, you know, the, the offense just hasn't clicked very well, uh, that, that's kind of been a whole lot of it. it you know, it, and maybe it sounds really simple, but it feels like the games basically come down to three-point shooting and then how the turnover situation goes. If Vanderbilt can get points off turnovers and keep from turning the ball over themselves, and uh, only turned it over eight times against Georgia, that served them well and uh, hit some threes and really, really played well against Georgia for almost the entire game. Uh, you know, slipped a little there at the end and, and missed some free throws, and, and that's been a, been an issue too at times. But uh, overall, played really well against Georgia back out Saturday. Oscar Sheboy had his best scoring game of the season with 30 down in Nashville. I would. Assume Vandy will be playing him differently this time. <laughs> I don't know how you play that guy. He's doing just fantastic against everybody. Yeah, he he really got rolling in that game in Nashville, and I think one thing Kentucky did especially well uh, in, in its offensive game and the game at Memorial is keep the ball in the middle of the court. Uh, Vanderbilt really likes to get people on the sidelines, use that sideline as an extra defender, and put out some traps and switch up the defenses. And 
Uh, one thing Jerry Stackhouse said when I talked to him uh, going into this game, he, he said, you know, we, we just got to keep them guessing, uh, whether it's offensively or defensively. But, you know, Shibway is just such a load. You just try to put a body or bodies on him and just see if you can, uh, you know, get him reasonably close to out of position to where he can't get every rebound. But that, that guy's just having a fantastic year. And Kentucky played so well at Kansas on Saturday. That, that had to be something to watch, you know, in a place where Kentucky's uh, had its struggles over the years going out to Allen Fieldhouse to go out there and, and beat Kansas like that. It was remarkable. But, yeah, Sheboy, he, he, he's a fantastic player and really stood out to me how athletic he is uh, seeing him in person, just how well he gets up and down the court and moves around. Uh, he, he's really a special player. Kentucky was without Wheeler in that game, but Vandy also had a, a key player out in uh, Rodney Chapman, the transfer from Dayton. He's back now. What does he add to the mix? Yeah, Tom, I, I feel like he's a key part. Uh, we saw him for a handful of games uh, in, in Hawaii, went out there and played in the tournament, then uh, played, uh, started off SEC play, uh, saw him against Arkansas, and, and he actually hurt himself in that game. Uh, game Vanderbilt won on the road at Arkansas. He was backpedaling to get a steal and hurt his hamstring and tried to come back and play in the next game against South Carolina and just uh, really couldn't go full speed. So they shut him down for five games, just trying to get him well, and uh, came back and played against Georgia on Saturday. He is a big difference maker for Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, you look at the stats, he had 12 points, he had a couple threes, but really the, the things he do, does best, you may not notice in the box score, he plays great defense, He's just a, a veteran presence bringing the ball up the floor. You know, he played at Dayton, which, you know, they had some really good teams while he was there. So, uh, he, he is a big part of this team. And they were, I think, going into the season counting on Rodney and, and Liam Robinson, a transfer from Minnesota, a seven footer, and, uh, been without the services of both those guys for quite a bit of the season here. But yeah, Rodney Chapman coming back was a really big addition on Saturday. About 30 seconds, just real quick. How's the uh, season gone for, uh, Scotty Pippen? Um, I think it's gone well, um, and, and having Chapman back really takes some pressure off him. And you know, Scotty overall has had a, a fantastic year. I think he'd probably tell you he'd like to see the turnovers come down a little bit at times. But he, he's really having a nice season. He's second leading scorer in the league at, at 18 per game, right behind JD Note. And uh, he, he's had a couple really nice games in a row and scored 32 against Kentucky in the first meeting. So uh, he. He sort of quietly goes about his business, you know, in a lot of ways. But uh, just a, a really, really nice young man, and I uh, enjoyed getting to know him. And uh, you know, a leader on this team. He and Jordan Ryder are guys they really count on for that, that uh, experience and leadership with this group. Kevin, thanks for the time. We'll see you tonight. Hey, anytime, Tom. Thank you. He uh, makes a uh, important point about the Pippen and the turnovers. He has he's their point guard, primary ball handler, and he has sixty six turnovers to 67 assists. He's had a couple of seven turnover games in the last uh, three weeks. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're halfway home. Coming up, Al Cutler joins the program. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. No place better for breakfast, brunch, or lunch as we welcome in Alan Cutler to the program. Longtime <coughs> sports anchor, WLEX-TV. Now living the retired life. Uh, author uh, with John Wong of Cut to the Chase as well, which you can still find in fine bookstores and online retailers. Um, 
Alan, let's start with Kentucky basketball and uh, what you see out of John Calipari's team right now. Uh, quick note, congratulations to you and Mike Pratt. I'm looking Thank forward you. to reading the book. Um, uh, Mike is not only one of my favorite people from covering the beat, but a long-suffering, as you know very well, Cleveland Browns fans. I can't <laughs> yes. believe all the times when I was doing the Bengals, he goes, how are my Browns going to do? Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Um, it, 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 it's a wow. I, I, I'm serious. Um, I really think this team has taken on the personality of Oscar. And I love when they run. I don't know if you saw it in my book, but if I was running a basketball team, they'd be running all the time. And I haven't liked how Cal hasn't run for the last 8,000 years. I, I don't like if any team doesn't run, by the way. Basketball is not for walking the ball up. I think, you know, walking the ball up, you should take a point away. I'm just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. So yes. I, I love how they're aggressive. I love how they're charting sprinting. Uh, it's a brilliant move. And this team, Tom, you know this a thousand times better than me. You're around them. I'm sitting at home. It looks like, and we all have been fooled at times, and I think you'll admit that too, even though you're close, because it can happen. It looks like this team is close. It looks like they're playing together. I mean, little stuff like, okay, Oscar doesn't get a rebound, which just seems like a rare thing in itself. And, you know, you know, Kendall comes in and gets the ball because there's so much attention paid to Oscar, you can come in from the weak side and grab the rebound. And they weren't doing that, as you know, a couple weeks ago. They're just getting better and better. These guys have really seriously bought in. Uh, it, this is pretty interesting to watch. I'd like to say that I saw this happening. I did not. And it, it's fun, and it's possible. I'm not trying to jinx them. I don't think they've peaked. No, I don't either. Because uh, you know, I don't think Ty Ty was completely uh, healthy for the game the other day. He played, you know, well. Didn't shoot well. I suspect that had a little bit to do with the uh, with the ankle. Um, you know, we use the phrase "getting into their legs," and, and usually that's with like a pressing team or a team that's really extending its defense. I think Kentucky is getting into people's legs with its offense and what you're talking about. I agree, and it's maybe the first time since a guy named Patino was here. Did I just say a dirty word? Because <laughs> <laughs> you remember, uh, how many games did Kentucky win when Patino was here because the other team just got tired? Yeah, and I think shots late. Kentucky don't today get, don't quite get to that loose ball. Thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, Tom. They they miss shots late that they weren't missing earlier. They don't quite get to those loose balls in the last five minutes and things like that. Exactly, and, and that's as – you know, as everyone knows, is huge. And I'm seeing it now, and I did not see that coming either. And, and, you know, maybe it's part of having older players on the team, but the players, I think, and you can answer this better than me, I think they see it, and I think it's making them run even harder. I brought this up yes, yesterday on the show. I'll get um, your take on it because you covered the Derby for many years, for 18. And I said, Calipari – to me, you know, watching him all these years, with the way the team turns over every year, I said, I've said this for a while. Now, he reminds me of a derby trainer like a Carl Nasker or a Charlie Whittingham. And follow me on this analogy. Give me a little rope here. They, um, those were guys that did take a, a loss along the way. They didn't, didn't mind it if they were learning something from it about how to get their horse to peak on the first Saturday in May. They didn't have to win every race. They, they'd been doing it long enough. They were really secure at who they were, and they knew how to point to a spot and 
that they had to, to learn some things along the way, and it might take, you know, uh, losing to, to do that. And I think Cal Perry's turnover of his team is like getting that, you know, three-year-old every year that you just get one shot to win the Derby with. And so there's all that roster turnover. So it takes a while to um, identify the, the best way for those pieces to fit together. And I think to his credit, he gives guys a chance to come in and define – what they think they are, and then at some point he steps in and goes, okay, we've tried it your way. Now here's the role you need to play. What do you think? Uh, one, it's a great analogy. Uh, two, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you remember when you said Charlie Whittingham, it reminded me of, I remember doing a story with him, how he always took vitamin B and did his sit-ups every day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Former Marine. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, I remember getting a soundbite from Charlie, similar to what you're saying. That's a bullseye analogy, Tom. That you know, if and I don't remember the exact course. It was a derby course. I just don't remember. But it was like one of the preparations leading up to the derby, and it was like the horse didn't win, but he was excited because he didn't want the horse to get spent. And used up, and if horse finished in the money, if I remember right, then I'll, of course I'll probably remember the horse's name as soon as we hang up. Um, but he was excited because, you know, as the expression, as you've heard a million times, the bottom was put in the horse, and he thought the horse was fitter for the Derby than the last race, and he could care less about not winning. It's exactly what you're saying, and it's a really good comment, Tom. Quick break here, and then uh, we've got a few of the bases we want to touch with uh, Alan Cutler. Uh, you can find uh, Cut to the Chase at. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and uh, still in uh, bookstores, I'm sure, as well. And if you don't see it, you can have a mortgage for you. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Leach Report's served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We're chatting with Alan Cutler, and uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. But first, let me touch on a, a couple other quick bases with you, Alan. Last night, uh, I'm guessing you watched the U of L Carolina game, and if you didn't, you need to go see um, the uh, the last uh, controversial foul call. Maybe the worst call, and I have no dog in the fight, so um, I, I can be objective on this. Maybe the worst call I've seen in in a long time. Uh, I did not see it, Tom. Uh, what I usually do with something like that, um, YouTube has the highlights, and I often go back and will look at the highlights. I was watching, actually, uh, the Anne Frank movie that just came out oh. at, uh, on Amazon, which, if you want a good cry, that will do it. Can I make a quick correction, if you don't mind for a second? Sure. Uh, Cut to the Chase is not in Barnes & Noble. It never has been in Barnes oh, & Noble. Okay. They, sent, they sent me to somebody in New York, the local <laughs> people, and uh, they were not interested in a local writer at the time, and they couldn't have been any colder. So it's in Joseph Beth and Amazon, um, and it might be a Kentucky branded. Uh, they might have a few left. I don't know. So thanks for letting me make the correction. No problem. Um, you know, with uh, officiating, and um, it's, you know, the players, coaches, broadcasters, everybody makes mistakes along the way. I think fans get frustrated at the, uh, you know, seeming lack of accountability there is i know a review process within the league but uh fans don't ever hear much about any of that or if uh, the calls they think slash knew were wrong 
actually are confirmed as, as being wrong. Is there merit to having officials or somebody representing officials, et cetera, to talk after a game? Yes, and it's long overdue. And, and I think there will be a few refs that will do things differently, but most will not. Um, here's the other side of the coin. The reason why I wouldn't, although I think they should, is I'm really concerned that if referees talk after games and it gets on you know, TV and radio and social media, I- I'm concerned to today's society about death threats. And I really believe they would be picking up more against officials if they talk. But on the other hand, how could they not talk? So it, it, it's an issue that I don't know if it's as simple as an answer it would have been in, in the 1980s. Yeah, I think that's there's a fair point there, and that's why I've always thought just let somebody from a league office or, or you know, even if it's the next day to at least, and the thing is to be honest and transparent about it. It's okay to say you missed that one. <laughs> you know, the player, you know, gets criticized, the coach, whatever. You you know, you screwed that one up. It's okay. You you know, you still can be very Okay, successful. now ha- hang on a second. You're on to something. Uh, do I still think there would be death threats if, if the – Let's say the SEC the next day said we made a mistake. We're correcting it as best as we can. We're talking with the officials, and any discipline or anything that happens, we're not going to tell you. Do I think that would help? Yes. Do I think that'd be an increase in death threats? Yeah, I do. By the way, really, and 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 I'm sorry to say it, but I I couldn't agree with you more. They have to do something, and if let's say four o'clock the next day. A statement. Come on, you've read these statements a million times, so have That's really cold and impersonal, and it's five lines or six lines or one paragraph. Comes in there to see we're terribly sorry that last night's game between Oshkosh and Oshkosh, a mistake was made in the final 14 seconds. We sincerely apologize. It's human error, and we can go from there. Thomas, it's a better idea than what we have, but I, I, I'm really against officials talking after the game for the reason I stated, though. The other thing that has to change, I bet you'll agree with me on this, they've got to figure out some way to speed up replay, the, what they're doing on replay. They did went to the yes. monitor on one of the Louisville games last night. felt like a half hour. It's ridiculous. Wow. It, yeah, it, they do it. And you know what? Here's what I don't understand. How many times have we all watched TV, right? And, and after, like, say you've seen a couple angles, okay, I'm not a trained official, nor do I play one on TV. Neither are you, but, you know, we've both seen a couple basketball games, right? How quickly, usually in a minute, do you know oh, yeah. what decision you would make? And if you don't, that's the definition of inconclusive, and let's move on. <laughs> yes. Amen. Uh, you know, it's almost, you know, you've seen the thing where people play chess and they've got a one-minute counter and you turn yes. the timer over and stuff like that. I'm not saying it has to be one minute, but there should be a timer. And after yes. whatever it is, come up with something. One minute, three minutes, whatever. Ah, Buzzer goes off. Okay, we don't, we don't have a consensus. We'll leave it as it is. Let's move on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely all about that. Absolutely. Quick thought on uh, the story, if it's true, about uh, Eric Wofford, the way he left Kentucky. I said if, if it's as reported is true, and I have no reason to, to doubt it, then he should be ashamed of himself. Um, you're being nicer than I am. <laughs> and but you're nice John Schlarman were still alive, he'd punch him in the nose. Um, and it'd be justified. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll go one step further. As disgusting as it is, I'm amazed Saban didn't say, hey, here's a private plane. Go back and say goodbye to your guys. Yeah. 
I mean, that's against Saban, and I, I, you know, you know him. I don't. I've been retired. Um, I would have assumed without knowing because I try to assume the best that uh, you just don't do that. That's disgusting. And, and I'll tell you what, suppose he wants to be a head coach down the line. If they do their homework, to me, that would hurt him getting a job. Uh, it's, you just don't do that. And, and come on, Tom, you know this. This is a, it's a small business. People know people. People talk. You know, look, I get that he wanted to go to Alabama. I really do. And if it bothers Kentucky fans, we'll just agree to disagree. But there's a word in Yiddish is called being a mensch. You know, do it the right way. If this report is true, and I have no reason not to believe it either, Tom, so I'm with you on that. It's disgusting. How do you do it to these kids? And you know what? How do you do it to yourself? So it's a dumb move for his career, and it's disgusting to do it to those players. Just disgusting. I, I, matter of fact, I remember when I saw it online because when I'm watching TV, I read I read way too much stuff online. I, you know, I, I shouldn't, but I still do it because I like it. And yeah. I'm going, what kind of blank blank idiot is this? And how stupid! I, first of all, if he's really like that, and apparently he is, it's better that he's gone. None of that. Fair look, point. as you know, coaches leave it. In, in, in timing is tough. Just before signing day, my concern was Kentucky. If they keep all their offensive line recruits that are coming in, that's a great job by Stoops and Vince and the staff, which means they've really sold them on Kentucky and sold them that they'll bring in a coach just as good, if not better. It's a a disgusting story. And you know what? He should be ashamed of himself, if it's true. Let's go to the Bengals. You, I think I saw in, uh, a tweet you put out, like 14 years you were with the Bengals network. And yep. so you, you saw more lows than highs, certainly. What's, uh, what, what's it been like watching them make this run to the Super Bowl? Oh, it, it's been about as much fun as you would anticipate. Uh, am I surprised? Yeah, because of the offensive line. Um, more games are won and lost because of the offensive line than ever reported. I, I spent too much time with Dave Lappin, but it's true. Uh, Dave, of course, the former big-time offensive lineman for the Bengals who's done the color for, I don't know, 30-something years, whatever, and should, should be in, you know, should get Hall of Fame stuff, but neither here nor there. Um, Joe Burrow is so good, he overcame a disgusting offensive line. I mean, the guys are trying, obviously, duh, but they're awful. I mean, you know, I put out a tweet a couple games ago when he had nine sacks, which tied, the, as you know, the record for the most sacks in a playoff game. It was five and a half, and I put out a sarcastic tweet saying, you know, Burrow should sue the Bengals. I mean, it, 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 it's, I mean, he's getting the tar beat out of him. And, and, you know, in two games ago, one of the big plays, it was a play before Mixon's touchdown run. He scrambled for a first down and dove and got hit on the right shoulder and got the first down. This guy is like Superman. I mean, they have won in spite of the offensive line. And I don't know the last time I, thought, I saw a team get to the Super Bowl in spite of an offensive line. Yeah, he uh, watching that game the other day. I tell you who who's, who popped into my head. See if you agree. The way Burrow, the kind of swagger and he plays with, and the way that the way he plays serves as a leadership component to his teammates is Jerry. Absolutely, he's got swagger now. How about the question he gets asked? He's got this big thing about uh, you know JB nine. Right, this diamond thing that if I put around my neck, I'd probably have to lift weights. This thing had to cost like a fortune. And, and some of the media said, is it real? And he said, I make enough money, of course it's real. Yeah, he, he's swagger. He's got swagger. And, 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 and guys, matter of fact, Chase calls him JB. Um, he's the Pied Piper. 
these guys will run through a brick wall for them. I mean, it, it's interesting. After all these years, uh, the Bengals have a superstar quarterback. If he stays healthy, this is a potential. I'm not putting him there now. This is a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Got a minute. Do they win the Super Bowl? Beats me. I'm not that smart. <laughs> let, let me ask a question with a question. Does Donald not get three sacks? Probably so, you, yeah. If he doesn't get hit too much and doesn't get sacked too much, do I think they're going to win? Yes. But I can't answer that question. So I got no feel. It's a, not the answer you wanted. It's, uh, I, was I, want, I want him to win. And you know what? And I put this up. Everybody forgets about Mike Brown. And you could argue that his father, Paul, did more to change professional football than anybody. And there are some things – Mike and I are not friends. I don't want to blow it up to something it's not. But I think there's a lot of things about him that are misunderstood because he won't talk about all the things he's done for people. I, I would I, – I said this when I was on WLW years ago doing sports talk. I would love to see him win a Super Bowl, and I don't mean to be morbid about this, while he's still with us. Yeah, that's his dad was – tremendously impactful and uh kind of one of his right hand guys was uh paris kentucky's blanton collier former kentucky coach absolutely uh alan always a pleasure catching up we'll do it again before uh, we get through the tournaments but uh thank you for the time tom thank you dude have a great day you too we'll be right back to close out this edition of the leech report in just a moment Wildcat history, 1966, number two Kentucky wins at number four Vanderbilt, 105 to 90. Louis Dampier went for 42, most points scored by a Wildcat at Memorial Gymnasium against Vandy. I think Melvin Turpin had 42 at an SEC tournament game there, and then uh, also the most points uh, for a Kentucky player in a top five road win. That stat kind of resurfaced last week when Keon Brooks had his big game out at Kansas. Uh, Wildcat birthdays, uh, a bunch of them, uh, Wildcat uh, legends uh, were born on this day. C.M. Newton, uh, former Kentucky basketball guards Stan Key, Truman Clater, uh, Jerry Bird, pride of Corbin, Kentucky, born on this day, and uh, Trevard Lindley, Mr. Big Play for uh, some of Rich Brooks' uh, good teams at Kentucky. Trevard Lindley celebrating a birthday today. Uh, Ty Ty Washington, named a finalist for the Jerry West Award, which goes to the nation's top shooting guard, uh, an honor that Malik Monk won a few years back. And Tyrese Maxey has been named to the NBA Rising Star Game. It'll be coming up uh, later this month at the All-Star Game on All-Star Weekend. It'll be on a Friday night of All-Star Weekend, and it's the first and second year players in the uh, NBA. And Tyrese is having a uh, great year with the 76ers after uh, they uh, – Pull the plug on the Ben Simmons era. Uh, Tyrese got a bigger role, and he has taken advantage of it. Uh, and uh, starting point guard, averaging almost 17 a game and almost five assists, shooting 40% on three. Uh, so um, happy for uh, Tyrese that things are going so well. Wish him luck in the Rising Stars game. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Leach Report. We're ca- we come to you each day from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shop's. Stop in this morning, grab one of those great breakfast sandwiches when you fill up your tank or uh, take home some fried chicken for dinner. Clark's Pump and Shop at the Clark's Cafe. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be-